Yes. Another bloody gaming podcast. Number 14. Since Spaces. G'day invaders and welcome to Since Spaces and this is, yes, another bloody gaming podcast and we are up to number 14 and I am joined by three people's gamers from around the world, uh, starting with Bex or Tristabytes, how's things? Yeah, good, thank you. This is a completely reasonable time in the morning in the UK. <laughs> I get this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got uh, James or Gaming Muso from the UK as well who's, oh, come on, mate, you had a full night's sleep. You, you're doing all right. You just got up. Three, I mean, what, what, uh, no, I, uh, yeah, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> uh, but the one that should be struggling is G to the next level, George from all the way in the States. Whereabouts in the States are you from? I'm from Texas, good old downstate of Texas. And it's 2.30 in the morning here, but you want, actually it's three, but you don't know what though? <laughs> It's all good. I got my wake up juice. I'm ready to go. I have to go. Yep. I'm just keeping the camera on him to see if he, when he fades out there. No, it's not happening. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Too much Uh, adrenaline, my friend. Too much. uh, We're going to go to Bex um, for the starting questions. So I want to know, well, we all want to know, what was your first console and what game did you play on it? Uh, The first console I owned. Yes. Myself. Yes. Um, my first one, well, the first one that was just mine was a Mega Drive. Cool. But the first one in the house was a joint one with my brother, which was a Master System one with Alex Kidd in Miracle World. Ah, uh, that game brings back bad memories for me, the amount of phone calls I had to take for that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an awesome but difficult game. It's got that bit sort of in one of the early levels where there's... Um, there's fish going up and down and you've got to get Alex Kidd to swim past them and it took so long for me and my brother to do it that we actually invented a song we used to sing in time with the music sing it <laughs> sing the song sing the I song can, I can only remember a bit we used to do which is said kill the fish she killed the fish she killed the fish <laughs> and it went into the music and we, whichever one of us was playing it the other one would be singing it for them to kind of get them through that bit of the game it's like, it's like Red Dwarf inspired that day. Like, I'm going to kill you, fishies. Exactly. <laughs> I was first. You know, I'm just saying, I was first. All right. Okay. <laughs> or, okay. Or, I don't know which of us invented this song. It's one of those things of kids. It's like you don't know which of you came up with it or how it But occurred. you just all both ran with it. Yeah. <laughs> we just, that's just what we did. Um, and uh, our Operation Wolf is one of the other games we had first. Nice. Did you have the light gun? Yeah. Yeah. I still have it. I've got one sealed up there. It. I can't believe I found it in the wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've still got uh, my System 1 boxed complete set, and I've wow. still got my Mega Drive, uh, which is the Mega Drive 2 with Sonic 2, but I've still got that boxed perfect because I saved up for that one um, with my pocket money. I think it was about like something, something stupid, like 40 or 50 weeks worth of me not buying any sweets. Wow. <laughs> I literally just saved up my like one two pound a week that I would get and um, bought yeah bought Mega Drive 2 of Sonic 2 and my mum was so impressed I'd saved all this money instead of buying loads of chocolate like normal that she bought me Megalomania to go with it as well nice nice which is a good game 
Oh, I wish we never got that one in the US. I need to get it. Sometime. Really? It's, it's amazing. It's so ahead of its time. It, it's one of those things that you, you look at it sort of later and you're like so many other games sort, of, re- sort of took on its approach. Do you remember <laughs> the pause sound? It was um, putting you on hold. Do you remember that? Mm. When you press pause, it was like putting you on hold. <laughs> so many. So I think the main one that sticks in your head is you're running out of elements. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, I remember that too. Um, <laughs> favorite game of all time? That's difficult. Like, non just of all time. Anyone? No specific genre, anyone? No, no just specific. favorite game of all time. The longer you think about it, the harder it will be. Uh, uh, just, this is torture. Um... No pressure, just gun to the head. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, uh, 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 um, um, Fantasy Star 3 is probably very high on the list. Nice. Fantasy Star 3? Um, you yeah. sure? Generation, really? Generations. Yeah. Many people don't mention Fantasy I'm intrigued as well because many people don't say yeah. Fantasy Star 3 is their favourite. They almost say 2 I'm, or 4. Uh, 2 or 4 one. is usually the one that everyone keeps saying, but I've never heard anyone say that about 3. I, I thought it was. Uh, very ambitious for what they were doing at the time, but they, yeah, I'm, ju- I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely love that game, and I like the amount of times my mum would come into my room and find my dinner completely cold, <laughs> just abandoned, <laughs> because I hadn't even realised dinner. You know, she'd given up trying to make me come out for dinner, had put dinner in my room, and they would come back three hours later, and the dinner would still be there cold. And I'd have no idea it even been brought in the room. Have you played because two? Have, have you played game. four? Um, no. Okay. There's a whole massive story behind that. Which okay. Makes me sad. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave that one alone, maybe. Okay. It's um, traumatizing. It's just. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, either that or Soul Calibur. Uh, cool. What are you currently playing? What's keeping you occupied at the moment? <laughs> Beat Saber. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I saw that on your Instagram that you were playing that. I'm like, oh, that looks so great. It's such a good game. It's so good if you like never want to see your friends again and never want to see daylight again, and you just don't, you know, if you want your entire world to just be made up of like boxes that come towards you even when you're asleep, then yeah. Yeah, when you <laughs> when you're seeing it with your eyes closed, that's when you're playing the game way too much <laughs> um, one of my other favorite games was uh tempest 2000 on jaguar and i used to dream ah, yes. tempest beautiful um, and there was there was a tempest arcade machine an original arcade cab at egx and oh. they might have had to tell me to go away about 10 minutes after closing because <laughs> i was like not till i die not till i die <laughs> if you if you like uh uh, Tempest, you've got to play, play Space Giraffe on the Xbox 360. Um, it's yeah. hardly anyone touches it. No one talks about it. And it, it's just a Tempest clone, but with all these wacky llama type sound effects. And it's, it's just really psychedelic. <laughs> and I, that's the reason why I love playing it. Because it's just like, you, as you're playing yeah. it, you're just like, what the hell? Like, this is just so whacked up. <laughs> um, George, we'll get on to you. So the very first console and first game that you played on it. All right, so my very first console, technically two, because they got the adapter with it, was the Atari 5200. That was the the first console that we ever got as a kid, but I remember that Christmas that we got it, we got it and we got the 2600 adapter at the same time. Oh, awesome. And we had 2600 games and 5200 games, and because 5200. my dad and I used to play with them. Which one? 
and the 5200 actually worked? Yes. And wow. so as far as my knowledge goes, our 5200, we don't know where it is right now, but it, it worked all the way through. We never had any problems. We didn't even have any joystick issues. Like, I know people complain about the sticks not working right and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, we didn't yeah. have a single problem with it, and it worked wow. perfectly fine. Um, as far as what games that we really played on it, I remember the first things we bought, of course, were like the Pac-Man ports, Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man. Uh, Galaxian was a big one that we played. Defender was a big one. But the one that I distinctly remember, and the biggest reason why we bought it was because uh, my dad and I used to play in arcades a lot because I would go with them when they would go bowling. Yes. So they like, hey, they give me 10 bucks and go to the arcade while they bowl. And one of the games that was there was Vanguard. And once we got the Atari 2600, we got the 2600 version of Vanguard first, and then we got the 5200 version later. And that game still sticks with me. To this day, I'll still fire it up because it's just a lot of fun, and that tune just sticks with me. The that used to be my ringtone on my phone for the longest time. And just, yeah, that's my biggest fondest memories from when we first started playing was with the Atari. Of course, we got the NES later, but then, of course, in 91, it all changed when we got the Mega Drive or Genesis, wherever you're from. That's when it all just went sky high. Yeah, the um, the the games really did become a lot more complicated. And I don't know if, if, if it was Sega that was to thank for that or if Nintendo. I, I know that Nintendo were quite content on just sitting on the NES for quite a while, but it, it would always be uh, something that... If, if Sega didn't come along and, and push Nintendo to get a 16-bit console out, maybe it would have been NEC or someone else. So I don't know if, you, if it's just Sega to thank for that, but uh, Nintendo were quite happy just sitting on the uh, 8-bit sales, weren't they, at that time? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, competition always makes you stronger. So when Sega comes through and they're just like, hey, we're the new kid on the block and we're going to kick your butt if you don't do anything about it, Nintendo had to respond. That was a great oh, yeah. response, though. The Super Nintendo was such a good console. Um, it's just a shame that they didn't think to do it earlier. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, but... Um, it worked out for them in the end, though, Yeah, right? true. It was such yeah, a good... So. That's my favorite generation of, like, uh, two, two major gaming entities at each other. Um... I really wish that they'll hurry up and do that movie, but I heard that they're not going ahead with the Console Wars movie. I don't know if anyone knows anything about that, but um, I haven't heard it. I actually just bought the book recently, and I still haven't gotten around to reading it yet. But I haven't heard anything about them either, like canceling or delaying the movie or anything. So that's news to me. It's more, way more interesting to me. Oh, I guess I'm biased, but it's way more interesting for me than the oh, Coke, Coke I'm Pepsi was. <laughs> uh, no, so, what's your favorite all-time game? Mm, so I do have a quick answer for this. So, and this is going to be surprising considering, you know, Sega, Sonic, and all of that. So as tempted as I am to say Sonic the Hedgehog, it's not. Nah. <laughs> my uh, my favorite game of all time is Konami's Dance Dance Revolution. And there's a yeah, there's I I'll give the short version of it because I could go on for literally hours about why. But that game changed my life. Like everywhere from the better. It helped make me a better person. It helped me make me break out of my social shell. It helped me move on in my career. It helped me meet my wife. It did so many things for me. Wow. And if it weren't for recent physical issues, I would still be playing DDR to this day. Because it's still going. We just got a new arcade game, what, not last year, but, well, yeah, it was last year that DDRA came out. It's still going. And it just hit its 20th anniversary. Apparently, there's a movie coming out. But yeah, Dance Revolution, the movie? Apparently. <laughs> we'll okay. 
it's um, just such an awesome community as well that's the thing with all of the rhythm games because you're seeing it already with beat saber it's like i've got you know i've got more mods and custom maps and there are songs that come with the initial release of it and uh, i've got an old original xbox which i basically modded to all hell which is basically an old arcade roms machine it's got thousands of old arcade roms it's also run step mania Awesome. So I've got a metal dance pad and Step Mania and just the amount of songs the community comes up with. Everyone just shares. It's just That's such awesome. an awesome space to be in. Uh, and I was friends for years with the guy who ran DDR UK over here and they ran a lot of the competitions. He also owned all of the arcade machines in Trocadero when that was our biggest arcade in the country. He owned all the DDR machines there. Um, so we used to be able to rock up with like a key fob, like a car key fob and <laughs> click a button. And it put all the DDR machines on free play. <gasps> nice. They just like rock up there like royalty, like, yeah. That's, I know that's the person that owns these right arcade there. machines. <laughs> so, George, you do realize I'm going to be editing in the dance guy that I uh, filmed when in Japan doing handstands and the crowd going, ooh, ah, it's huge over in Japan. I couldn't get over it. This guy had the crowd. I think it was like uh, three or four people deep just watching this one dude. <laughs> there, there is it's no feeling that I could describe back in the day when DDR was really huge. And you would see the crowds of people that would just populate right behind you. I remember one day specifically, like I was playing and I was playing, uh, I forget what song, no, it was Dead End, which is a nine footer and it's a really hard song for the time. And you know, I'm concentrating and I'm in the moment and I'm sweating bullets, I'm done. I turn around and there's like 40 people behind me. I'm like, whoa, what the? <laughs> it, happens, it happens now at Arcade Club up here in, in, in the north of England because there's three rhythm games that I play religiously and it's U-Beat, Musica and Nostalgia. U-Beat's oh, literally like the rhythm game that I play religiously so I'm like we, we have tournaments on that but whenever we're playing it because there's only a couple of us that really play it to the level, you know, level 10 so whenever we're playing it people literally just stood there with faces on them like this. <laughs> yep, yep. That's like me and in, um, in Beat Mania, Beat Mania 2DX, which is really high up my list on favorites too. Because that yeah. game is kind of the same because it uses uh, seven keys and a turntable, and so you see yeah. your fingers going like this and hitting the yeah. turn disc, and then people are like, how in the world is he doing that? And I'm like, years and years of practice. <laughs> yes. And then when, when you watch the footage back, you watch the footage back of your hands. It's literally like this, like on UB. Like... Yep, exactly. It's like just tracing all the... Man, I wish yeah, we had yeah. you beat here. I, I know there's one arcade in Austin that has one. We but have three of them. We've got three of them up here all linked together and they've just been upgraded to UB Clan. So we've got the latest version on them now. So it's so cool. Awesome. There's a chain called Round One that has like a whole bunch of Japanese arcade games here. Uh, yeah. We have them in Dallas, but we don't have them in Houston yet. Yeah, yeah. work on that. Work on that. <laughs> um, Get I, on that. I do have a question for Trista. Um, I don't know, call yeah. you Trista, Bex, I'm still trying to get my head around that. Um, I, I just answer to whatever. Hey, you, it's fine. <laughs> so, so, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to ask you, you, you went to uh, that major expo just recently in the UK and you interviewed quite a few people who were doing indie games and developing indie games and I find that kind of intriguing because it's something that I haven't delved into enough is indie, ga indie games. I'm Not that I've been a snob or anything, but because I'm so times poor, I, I, I got to focus if I'm going to be playing a game it's got to be something that's triple A, but um, I am kind of looking at the, uh, you know, the, the smaller guys on the scene and some of the work that they do is just like, I can't believe one person did all that or a team of only four people did all that. Um, what was one indie game that 
stood right out for you in in your for 2018? Um, uh, I'm probably gonna just I'm, I'm gonna cheat and say two different things. Okay. Because one of them is retro and one of them is modern. Um, and I interviewed both of them. I mean, I, I've been interviewing the indie games guys for years. That's kind of I know more about indie games than AAA games half the time at the moment because I find there's so much interesting, innovative stuff that's going on in the indie scene. But um, of the modern style games, there's a game called Soundfall, um, which is by Drastic Games, and it's a rhythm game dungeon crawler. Nice. So I've heard of you this have one. To yes. Do all your yeah. stuff on the beat. Yeah, you have to right do all your moves on the beat. <laughs> it's so it's so good. The animation's gorgeous. The artwork's gorgeous. You just you get into a flow with it. You start chaining combos. You're George is looking it up on stream now. On Steam now. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's mentally in my mind. Nah, uh, it, it comes out next year. It's absolutely incredible, and I really loved. I really loved that game. Like you oh, want so, something. It's, it's actually be, not out yet. Uh, no, it, um, I was playing just the the. I think it's just still in beta at the moment. Oh, because I've that. been seeing um, the beta version. Yeah, being shown around on different um, on different podcasts in the past so yeah i'm surprised that it's not out yet um yeah i'm pretty sure they said next year for the final game but it's a really big ambitious game because you've got all these elements that dynamically respond to the music your, yeah. your combos your enemies your your loot even depends on how you're behaving with the music the levels are partly procedurally generated by wow. the music so it, it, it's a really big project it's awesome and then on the other end of the scale a huge project for different reasons is uh, Tanglewood, which is ah, yes. a brand new yeah. Mega, Drive Mega Drive game. game. Why not? Yep, I know all about that. <laughs> um, I got to see and touch the, you know, one of the two remaining known working Mega Drive dev kits in the world. That's you know, awesome. They have that at EGX. Um, you're just there sort of like, oh, and it's just other people looking at you like it's just a Mega Drive and a box of lights on something. And I'm like, no, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and that's like, yeah, five years of learning to code in assembly. The guy just did it himself because he wanted to do it as a kid. So he's just done it now. And the game's lovely, really, really lovely. It's got little bits of play mechanics that remind you a bit of Sonic for kind of jumping into the ground and being propelled up and bumpers and stuff, but um, also quite Lion King oh, okay. in that yes. kind of tone and the kind of feel of it. It's, um, it's quite a chilled game in the kind of feel of it rather than kind of like a manic Sonic style speed game. Um, and, really, and we used really a copy beautiful. of it to prop up the phone to film our interview, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> we did. I was given a press release copy. That is a cartridge, so and disrespectful. I used it as part of the <laughs> temporarily, but I swear, like, I, I swear, it will be held in reverence. And did you? Did you end oh, up? Yeah. Did you end up getting a little tripod in the end there? I'm um, gaming music. Oh yeah, just I, I literally just didn't take it with me to EGS. Oh, okay. okay. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that I'd be doing like many many interviews down there really. So when you, we were there, I think it's I think the only way you're going to learn. Yeah. <laughs> It was a stack of business cards, Tanglewood, and a copy of Katie Price's latest novel. Yeah. That we were using the novel, just, novel, yeah. you have to novel. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. a novel, it's no, a cash novel. Grab. Yeah. Um, um, they're, yeah, they're, they're written by whoever. That went in the shredder though. That was fine. I put that in the shredder. Good. So um, for uh, the, the book, the book ritual, which is an indie game, which is a uh, a. Uh, a a book that remembers being human and you have to write things on its pages and put them through a shredder and it's got sentences in the shredder that tells the game you've done it it's really interesting like wow. exploration into permanent actions in the real world affecting a narrative and like quite it's, it's, it was in the left field collection for obvious reasons um but i specifically requested to shred the katie price 
<laughs> so, um, George, I got a quick question for you. What's one collection? Uh, sorry, one item I should say in your collection that just makes people go, "What the heck?" Or just impresses them? What, what have you got in your collection that's like your pride and joy? Because mm, I've seen your Sonic collection and it's just insane. It it's even oh. makes mine look like, really pitiful. <laughs> Oh, don't say that. I mean, everybody's I, I just did. Guy, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, notably. Um, if I had to say there's one item that really makes people wow in my collection, it's probably one of two things. Unfortunately, one of them is off-camera. I can't reach it. One is, because I get this all the time, because it shows up in the background of my pictures on Twitter, but I never really talk about it, is I have a complete box copy of Earthbound for a Super NES. And Sweet. people were like, oh, well, Earthbound, like in the back. But I was like, the game is good but i wouldn't really say it's the biggest prize that people would say oh you got this and it's amazing it's probably this one which i'm going to be talking about on my channel very soon and that's uh Mega oh, man the wily wars their Mega Drive. and Who's... it's not just because of this because of course this game didn't come out in the u.s yeah and uh because it's also signed by kg and funi because oh, wow. he was here in dallas for screw attack gaming con and I managed to get it signed by him. And like, oh, you got in the funeral to sign it? I was like, well, a friend of mine, because I was too far back in the line, a friend of mine was able to jump forward and, and get it signed for me. That's Thank awesome. goodness for Rachel. But this is probably um, the biggest thing when people look at my Mega Drive collection, like, oh, you have Mega Man the Wily Wars? Like, either that or, um, either that or Musha. One of the two. Um, I'm envious of that. Uh, the composer of that uh, game is a subscriber to my channel. Nice, very and nice. He, well, because the Alessa series is incredible. Yeah, pretty much uh, everyone in the series is incredible. But that one in particular is the shining jewel. <laughs> um, and uh, for uh, gaming muso, I've just got to ask you one question as well. Sure. Na name a YouTuber that you would just do anything to collab with. James Rolf, Angry Video Game Nerd. Oh wow. Okay. Now that's a good oh, answer. Yeah. yeah. He just seems like such a down-to-earth guy, considering how popular and how big he is. I don't think he gets let to get to his head, um, which I, we all know that there's a few YouTubers out there that are big that they do let it get to their head in a big way. Um, but he, he just seems so well balanced, and uh, when you watch him do collab videos, he's very generous in letting the other person have their airtime and get their word in. Uh, he doesn't hog the limelight, which is really cool to see. And I met ABGN a couple of years ago at that same convention at ScrewAttack Gaming Con. He is super chill, super down to earth. He he's out like the entire time when he wasn't at his panel and wasn't at his table. He was out with all of his fans, just chilling and talking with people, and just relaxed and real cool, you know. Uh, this awesome. was like many many moons ago, though. I know he was just in Dallas last week. Unfortunately, I couldn't go. But yeah, he's he's real awesome. Yeah, that's it's, it's cool. It's cool to hear because he comes across that way, you know. Obviously the. AVG, AVGN is just the character, but as, as a person, from anybody who I know who's had any dealings with him or anything, just he's just a really normal, just really cool guy. So that, Absolutely. Yeah, cool. He, he said that directly. He was just like, well, hey, you know, just understand that AVGN is just a character. <laughs> he gets to just, keep saying that. Some of, the things, <laughs> just some of the things that he's talked about, but then there are some times that I know he's done a review. Like, the biggest one I think that, that kind of affected me was Die Hard on the NES. Because, like, yeah. watching his video of that, I was like, oh, this game looks terrible. Like, I don't want to play it. And then I did finally play, and I'm like, wow, this is really good. And then he did say later, it's like, there's one that, you know, because it's, sometimes he does tip the scales on what people think on games, but he always goes out and he says, hey, but you need to play them yourself. And I, I yeah. truly respect that. I, I highly believe in that, too. It's like, 
take we, our words to heart, but you yeah. should really go try it yourself. I can always I can always watch those videos though. I can I, I, I think I've seen most of the episodes at least three times. I can always just <laughs> stick them on if I want to chill out and just watch them. And I can be, just binge watch AVGN episodes. You know, I, I don't know why, but they're still they're just the rewatch value. They're still entertaining, no matter oh, how yeah, many times totally. you see them, and that's the really good thing about it is that it's not a quick video to just go, "All right, that's cool," and then you never watch it again. You can rewatch them and go, "Oh yeah, no, I see new things in that now," or the little <laughs> throwbacks to it. Absolutely, you know? I, I yeah. could say his Silver Surfer video was probably one of the planting seeds for why I, I wanted to start doing YouTube. Yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah. my favorite video of his. I love it. Yeah, but I think with me, one of the ones that one of the ones that I watched that was literally making me laugh out loud was Big Rigs. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that that's was such like a it, bad game. But it, <laughs> oh, it's awful. But it was it was the commercial that he did at the end of it, like a trucks built with quantum phasing molecular technology, <laughs> so as to pass through solid objects over the road, under the road. Who knows? <laughs> Big <laughs> Rigs. Yep. All right, well, we're going to kick into the first question now. I uh, can't believe we've gone this far and we haven't even asked the first question. Um, so DLC used to be such a big deal. Now it's pretty much out of control. You used to buy a game knowing that you won't get the full... Well, sorry, hang on. You'll, you'll now buy a game, I should say, uh, knowing that you won't get the full experience unless you pony up for the extra content, which is kind of rude. I mean, think about it. If you went to a cinema and halfway like oh no three quarters of the way into it people came around asking you to buy more tickets if you want to see the end <laughs> that's kind of rude isn't it and now i've yeah. never heard that analogy i just thought about that today i was just thinking dlc is really rude um but positive side of dlc what's been the best example of dlc that made you think yes i want to throw some coin at that because i think it's worthwhile who wants to chime in with this I'll go first. Yep. I'll, I'll go first on it. Um, I think, because there are a lot of examples of DLC, like you mentioned. I think probably the one, and yeah, it's a little bit more recent, but I think one of the ones that really hit it, like a home run for me, was the Wipeout HD Fury expansion to Wipeout HD on the I, PS3. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, it basically, because I, I absolutely love Wipeout. That's one of my favorite game franchises ever. And when they did that, now, I, I believe it came out in, in PAL Territories physically, right? You oh, actually yeah. did get the yeah, machine. Physical oh, yeah, copy, yeah. Lucky. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I had that. But I remember when that DLC dropped and I got it immediately. I came home from work. I played it for pretty much the rest of the entire night because they made everything about the game. It took everything about it and made it better, added more tracks, added more ships. The game's just glorious. And then even to this day, like when, when this came around, Wipeout Omega, just... Oof. They just—it's amazing. It was absolutely Played in incredible. VR. Played in VR. Yeah. Yeah. VR. PSVR. Play in VR. You need to PSVR, play yeah. Wipeout in VR. You really I, need to no, play Wipeout in I told my wife this. I was like, I probably there's there. I would not be surprised if I actually wind up buying a PSVR just for Wipeout, and I will have a a basket or a bucket next to me ready <laughs> just in case. <laughs> but uh, it's it's like whatever. It's worth it. It's Wipeout. So totally worth it. If not that, I would probably say right behind that is um because a lot of people don't believe me when I say that I'm actually a pretty big fan of Grand Theft Auto. You're like, oh you like Grand Theft Auto? I'm like, yeah, big squeaky clean baby face G really likes Grand Theft Auto, right? Yeah, I actually love it. <laughs> um probably the Grand Theft Auto 4 uh Ballad of Gay Tony. Yeah, yep. Yeah, um not so much the other one, but that one 
I, I did enjoy, yeah. <laughs> it's because it kind of really made me throw back. There's one thing I love about Grand Theft Auto is when the environments are really live and colorful and it doesn't take itself too seriously. I think that's why I had a problem with San Andreas. It's because it tried to take itself too seriously. But yeah, yeah, I had that like issue Vice as well. Vice City, Vice City was awesome. And it, it I was... I City. Yeah, it wasn't trying to be too serious. I mean, the guy was even cracking jokes all the time throughout the, throughout the game, the main character. Um... So it it didn't. I mean, yeah. When four came out, four was just. I, I found it too self-aware. Uh, it was blah. Yeah, it was just plain. But I think they really nailed it with five, and it went back. They reined it back in towards being taking the Mickey out of itself and and not being totally serious. I mean, <laughs> Cluck, but was it Cluck Bell? Uh, the the fast food, the takeaway joints. Clucking Bell. Clucking Bell. <laughs> I mean, how can you be playing a game out serious with that logo in the background? Like, you have to be taking the Mickey out of yourself. That's why I kind of liked. Um, what was the other game that was uh, competing with it at the time for a while there? And then they kind of went off in a different direction. Um, Driver, I think. No, 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 no. Saint, Saint. What true crime? Saint, oh, Saints Row. Saint Row. Yeah. I, I kind of am glad that that came along because it was doing what Grand Theft Auto should have been doing there for a while and that is continuing the, the gags and no one plays it to be serious no one wants to be a serious gangster they're just playing it because it's just fun to I don't know run over hookers or whatever it is they're doing in those games no one takes it seriously <laughs> yeah, but you can only do that so far and you're absolutely right that yeah. Saints Row really took it and they made it hammy and they made it work going back to competition makes you stronger yeah it's like Grand Theft Auto kind of took that and it's like okay yeah, well yeah, now we, we're going to we go back do to need to rein it back in yeah um, i love five five was incredible yeah. five is awesome so back to dlc anyone else got any examples of cool dlc that um that they thought was something worth mentioning i, I like this new idea of, of of getting the actual game then companies taking it away and then charging you to get it back again you know like nintendo have done recently with, uh, with all... <laughs> 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 you, know, you know, we we had we had online playability, and then they took it away, and then they went, oh, you know, now you can pay to use it. So technically, it's that's, DLC, isn't it? That's like a P, play, that's, that's a that's PR Nintendo. nightmare, isn't it? That is such that's a Nintendo. PR nightmare. Uh, I got, got one example: uh, dimensions. Ooh, it's DLC, but it's, but it's physical. You, you're buying the packs, and you got Ghostbusters, A Team, and all these other really cool. Um, add-ons. I just find that the sad thing is Sonic. with that game, though. I'm Sonic. just the Sonic one, of course. But uh, <laughs> Sonic one's weird, though. They they it don't. It is weird. Sega doesn't have the rights to Green Hill Zone music. Every time they make a Sonic game with that duh, 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 at the start, they have to pay the composer for that. Um, really? Yeah. It's just so. I mean, could you imagine Nintendo not owning the rights to Mario or anything with Mario, or or Disney? Imagine Disney, every time you walked in there and, and, and Mickey Mouse showed up, they have to pay someone else for Mickey to be there. <laughs> it's just so... Oh, Sega. <laughs> yeah, Sega, they just do things so weird. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the uh, Dimension series and uh, it, it really does open up the game when you do buy the packs. Um, I do need to get back into that. I've got a sealed copy back there, which I'm... It was reduced because they've stopped supporting this, which is so sad. Um, and I still yet Same. to open it up. Same. I have a complete box copy for Xbox One, and it's just 
it's sitting when Toys R Us went under, and now apparently they're coming back. But when they went under, I bought one for super cheap, and now it's just it's sitting there. I haven't gotten a chance to, to touch it because I played it first on PS4. I bought it just to get the Sonic expansion. Like, okay, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bex, you got any idea on DLC that made you think, wow, that's actually pretty neat or cool? Or I, I prefer into... stuff that does things like, like Dimensions does, where it's more like you're choosing the content you want. So for me, it kind of goes, you know, like like with the rhythm games, like with things like Beat Saber or things like Dance Central, you're just picking all the tracks and you're just paying for what you want. Yeah. Like the original game is really cheap and then you just buy the content you want. They're not kind of forcing you to pay for bits you do and don't want. A lot of the DLCs that started coming out for the AAA titles, I was just like, this is supposed to be in the game. You just didn't have time to finish it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is just because you realized the ending of this particular game was a bit pants. You've got, oh no, you can buy a better ending. Great. And, um, Prince of Persia 2008. Uh, just just oh. this kind of thing just, just just drove me a bit mad. So I was always a bit like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not going to. No, I, I refuse. I'm going to wait until it's on sale or, or free or something like that. Or free. Um, <laughs> Free's a good price. Free. <laughs> Free's good. Uh, free, free, free's a price I like. I'll go with that. Um, but I think for me, I preferred it when stuff was more like, rather than DLC being, oh, here's a bit of the game that's uh, broken or missing and you can pay me a tenner for it. I preferred it when stuff was actually, yeah, like expanding stuff and things. Yeah. Like if you, you go to expansion packs and it's sort of like best expansion in the world to anything is like Sonic yeah, 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 they were expansion packs and then all of a sudden it just became DLC, didn't it? it was like, yeah, oh, and that change was just wrong. Go, go right back to the original, go right back to like Sonic and Knuckles, that's an expansion, yep. that's amazing, you don't have to have it, but it's amazing and it makes every other game more amazing. Yeah, my wife was asking me that, it's like, do expansion packs count as DLC, like from back in the day? I was like, yeah, absolutely, she's like, yeah. well then my favourite is from EverQuest, like, that counts, totally. Yeah, uh, just recently, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles number two, they did a expansion pack just like within the last two weeks or so. You can buy that DLC though and play it on its own. You don't need to have the actual game, which I, I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. It's a small condensed version of the um, Xenoblade Chronicles X. Uh, sorry, Xenoblade Chronicles Two, which that there takes 200 hours of your time of your life. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one is, thing I give Nintendo credit for is that you can talk about <clears throat> the problems that they're having with online at the moment, but when they do DLC, for the most part, they do it right. Only because they've been scolded in the past, they don't want to get scolded again. <laughs> That's true. Oh, so, sorry, true. guys. I've got to, I've got to uh, open my Nintendo Switch voice chat. And <laughs> sorry. Yeah. You know. Um, I think we'll move on to the next question then. So, you know, have you ever finished a game, and then you felt like running out into the streets and getting as many people as possible to play that same game because you just had such an awesome time with it? only to find out that no one cared. Uh, I'm talking about underrated games. What has been the one game that you absolutely loved and one that shouted from the rooftops and everyone was yelling out, shut up! <laughs> I'm after the most underrated game of all time. Uh, I, I've got an RPG that I really love that no one else has even ever heard of, which, which tends to make it pretty yeah. difficult to have conversations about it. Um, I, I really loved an RPG called Septera Core and... No one's ever heard nah, of it. I haven't heard Definitely. of that one. <laughs> yeah, see, see the problem? Mm. No one's ever heard of it. It was a PC game. It was a European game. It had a lot of Japanese influence in the style. And it had this incredible 
epic storyline the entire world they were living on was on like a big mechanical spine with layers like so if you imagine like a globe took the sea off and made the sea into spaces and then made concentric globes of them around the central spine and like you know the junk level was in the middle and that's where all the rubbish and like the upper class rich people were on the outside so it was all this big class metaphor and you started off on the junker level then you got a spaceship and then you could start traveling to the other levels and like it was this amazing game and it had really good tree mechanisms for conversations where you had like a big like robot dog type creature that could shoot lasers and you could use it when in conversation trees to make it start charging up its laser as a threatening technique so you'd be doing your normal conversation trees and you get the, the dog type thing to kind of start growling and people would even be like whoa, whoa i'll tell you i'll tell you you can have a discount or they'd be like you're being rude get out of my pub and <laughs> i loved that game so much and just literally no one in the world has heard of its existence it sounds a lot like Valhalla, the, the, that recent uh, cyberpunk RPG that came out. It's like, it sounds an awful lot like that, where the conversation trees completely change everything, and then they throw a curveball at you. I can't wait to play that game, by the way. But that one sounds awesome. Stuff like four. It sounds it really was, good. It was huge. It was, it was um, how old was I? I was about 16, so it's like 20 years ago. I'm 20. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyone else want to come in there? I've got to look that one up, by the way. That's a Google job for me now. <laughs> anyone? Underrated, underrated. Uh, oh. uh, well, while you guys are thinking mm. of one, I've got one. Anyone heard of this one? Siddiqui? I have. I played it. Yeah, and no one talks about it. I never see anyone talk about this game. And it is such a cool uh, little romp uh, hack and slash style game. And I guess just because it was exclusive, or was it only on Xbox, that's probably why no one played it. <laughs> yeah, because it's like RPGs on Xbox. Yeah. Well, it's like it's probably why. But I remember way back in the day when I played Sudeki, and I enjoyed it too. But then I realized, like, the more I played it, it's like I realized why I liked it because it felt a lot like Time Stalkers on the uh, Dreamcast, okay. just in a way no, in its style, and it's done by the it's done by the same team. I was like, okay, it makes sense. But it's a good game, but I think it just, it was the wrong system and the wrong audience, and but and wrong timing. Why is that name familiar? Climax. Who, what else did they put out? Um, I know they just did something else recently, but the, Climax, they, God, I think that they, no, I'm thinking of Argonaut. I, was like, I thought maybe they did uh, Croc for a second. I know they did the Roundabout series. I'm trying to think of what else they, they did something big. I'm blanking on that. Well, this but, was, I mean, they've done a lot. This is when Microsoft, yeah, were trying their best to try and woo to the Japanese gamers unsuccessfully. Um, yeah, and they keep trying to do and that. And they keep trying, <laughs> and that just, they, they just keep, I mean, have you, uh, no one else here has been to Japan, I take it? I haven't, I would I love think. to someday. You, you have, have been? Yeah, 10 years ago, but okay. I was out there 10 years ago. Uh, so, even if you were to go there today, um, you go into the gaming stores and it's just PlayStation everywhere. Nintendo a little bit here in the corner. And this is this token little Xbox section that just gets <laughs> poo-pooed on. It's just, it's just like, why are you guys even bother? But if you go into the secondhand uh, game stores like um, Super Potato and Book Off and those type of stores, you'll see heaps of um, Xbox stuff in those. So it's just kind of weird how it's not being sold new, but secondhand, you can get it. Anyway, this is weird. Um, but yeah, Sudoku's probably high up on my list. You guys don't have a... I do. I got one, and you'll probably be really familiar with this one, because um... you're gonna say Landstalker. Oh no! no. Landstalker is <laughs> done by Climax. That's it. That's it. That's it. No wonder the art style is so familiar. Then, yeah. 
Um, but, anyway, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But have you seen the price tag on that thing? It's it's crazy expensive now. Oh, it's like I'm, I thank my lucky stars that I have it. It's, it's the thing is that as far as the quality of the game goes, it's not the best game on the system. It has issues. It yeah, has but that camera problems. Song. It has but some that theme song. That theme song. No, but just the aesthetic and everything around it, especially when you turn all the lights off, turn the sound completely up. If you can play it with headphones, play it with headphones and just. You're exterminating fires in space, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> but it's just, oh my goodness, just the environment is so incredible. The tension that you feel when you're listening to the, um, I forget what her name is, basically the commander is telling you, okay, watch out, it's going to be to your left. You see the glow that pops up before a fire just boom, just explodes and knocks you. And you have to collect gems, which I guess are no to Sonic Green since it's a Sonic team game. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's incredible. It is a game that I am dying to see that hopefully now that it seems that Sega is now starting to explore a little bit more into their RP, their IPs, excuse me. They're starting to explore a little bit more into it. That is a game. I know it's niche. I know it's tiny. Probably not going to make a huge amount of sales, but I would love to see an HD remake of Burning Rangers. Game's incredible. And, and I remember back in the day, like just shouting it out for the roof. But at that point, Saturn was basically dead. Over, at least in the U.S., it was basically dead at that point. So mm. people, I was talking about Burning Rangers is amazing, amazing, and they're just like, okay, but then there's oh, that's this, on that satin thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, and don't get me wrong, I love PlayStation, but I was just like, yeah, but, but Burning Rangers, and I'm like, too bad, too bad. And then um, if I could pick a, a secondary, real, real quick, and this is a yeah. current gen one. If you like racing games, which I know, I know you like racing games. I love my uh, racing Ryan. titles. Like I know yeah. you absolutely do. Have you played this one, Split Second? No. Like, have you played this game? Is amazing too. It came like out a cool Xbox same... 360 current gen. That's cool. <laughs> sort of. Well, I mean, this backwards compatible with Xbox One. Oh, so, okay. I mean, okay, we'll give it a pass then. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, good. <laughs> um, just because it's not just really a racing game, you're basically playing a reality show. And that I have played through... that, I have oh, played it, and I played a demo of it. It is incredible. It's Play bizarre. the full game if you can. It is super cheap. And it's backwards compatible now. I think for Xbox Live gamers, at least in the US, you can get it for free next month, I believe so. Oh, really? Uh, but it's, yeah, but oh, it's I'll awesome. Look just to it. The, <laughs> the graphics, the music, just the explosions that are around, especially when you, you activate yeah. a tier three um, level destruction and then you see it from different angles. And it's it's hard, but oh, it's. You get it's points incredible. depending on how spectacular the explosions are and how well you dodge it. And that, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was weird, though. It was such a weird concept. A racing game where you're the star of a movie and they want to, they want you to be as spectacular as possible. Um, exactly. Anyone else before we move on to the. I got one yeah. Soul Star on the Mega CD. Mega CD. Yeah. Probably one of the best Who games to ever come out on the Mega CD. And at the time when I had it, nobody had ever heard of that game. And it was probably one of the best games that Core Design ever came up with. The, That's the right. Scaling Core on it. Yes. The soundtrack on it, the, the way that you know, some of the levels, like the ship just morphs into more of a 3d thing and it was almost like it was competing with the snes's mode 7 but it, it, even in a better way you know that was such a good game and i remember when i completed that and everybody's talking about sonic the hedgehog and all those games I'm like, no you want to get soul star on the mega cd <laughs> and i think i was the only person who i knew for years that ever played that game nobody had heard of it 
They had another one. Even that many people had a Mega CD. Mega CD itself was hugely underrated. I found. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was like you had there was a Luna Silverstar game on that. It's amazing. It's Silverstar Story, like and the the later versions of Silverstar Story, like never even came out over here. I've got them. I've got a modded um, PlayStation just so I could play. The Silver Star Story games. I've got those box with the map and the necklace and I, stuff like that. I ordered, one over here that I ordered that. I ordered awesome. that version on um, on the PlayStation and it came out to me all smashed up. It was just like, what? Oh. <laughs> um, but I've got Luna. Right. I've got Luna the Silver Star, the C, uh, Sega CD version, or Sega CD version. Um, and when I bought it, it was bought second hand. You know when you buy a game from some shops and they're a little bit seedy, and when you take it home and you open it up and it smells like cigarette? Yep. <laughs> it's just like, what oh no, the hell? My, my, my Mega Man The Wally Wars is like that. And before it has that smell. So what I did was I put uh, fabric softener, like a sheet of fabric softener in between, and I let it sit there for a while this. and just basically eat Listen away. to this. I put fabric softener, and it comes out all shiny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you open it up. We're doing home tips now on, on, the, on the podcast. This is awesome. Like, ooh, it's so fresh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just like flowers come up like in the really like, like fabric conditioner adverts just flowers just like coming out of it. All right. Yeah, um, I gotta make that for video, right? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of it being you advertising some cheesy washing powder, like you're holding a, a game or something like that. <laughs> um, okay, so I've just finished Shenmue 2. That was what I spent all of today doing so I can get some footage for my review. So I can finally get... I've been way overdue on getting that out. But um, I'm not focusing on getting reviews on my channel just because it's current. Or I want to put those reviews out only once I've finished with them and give you give an honest review. And I, I suspect that a lot of YouTubers uh, in... Uh, media in general are not doing that they're just trying to push it and pump it out so that it captures the hype and i won't do that i don't care if i miss out on views it's just not something i will do um but i finished that today for the first time since 2001 my god and um i just wanted to ask has anyone played a game where the storyline has just captured you to the point where you're just itching to see the next one like um we all know the story about how Shenmue has uh, had that long wait between chapters. <laughs> so, um, but there's a reason why it's got its uh, fan base. That, that it just was left on such a huge cliffhanger that um, we are now all just want to know what happens in that uh, in that game. So I just want to know what game has captivated you from not not a graphics point of view or soundtrack or anything like that, but just the storyline alone. Snatcher. Good choice. I finished that on the channel, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I only played it for the first time recently, and I wish they would have made a sequel to it because the storyline of that game is phenomenal. Didn't they? It really is. Didn't they? Oh, there's police there's Police, police Nauts, yeah. It's a prequel, isn't it? It's not, uh, really, it's not really a sequel, is it? It's a, it's a prequel. Yeah, okay. That makes mm. sense. But that never came out. I think it only came out in Japan. Yeah, and it's not. There's no English version, there. but you no. probably somebody can, did make one. Yeah, I was going to say there, there'll be fan translations out there, but I'm yet to play them or get my hands on them. But that was the thing that amazed me with, with Police Notes is the fact that they gave them English names, but on the thing is all being said in Japanese. So every time they they say every time they talk about Jonathan Ingram, 
They don't call him Jonathan Ingram, they call him Jonathan Ingram. <laughs> I say his name on the game every time. It's like, oh, Jonathan Ingram. I'm like, it's like the whole time. Yeah, localization is always weird. Like, uh, I had a uh, game sack. I, I responded to a comment that he made because it was a, a Nintendo product from, the, I guess, in the 60s, that hand grab one. Someone posted a picture of it, and it had on the cover uh, two white kids on there. And he he wow. um, commented, why has it got two American kids? And I thought, how do you know they're American? Like, they're white. That doesn't indicate by default that they're American. Um, right. <laughs> but he, he replied back saying, well, America was uh, occupying Japan at that time. And I thought, okay, fair enough. But it's, it's weird how um, things get localized, isn't it? Like, I heard a German band, there's a German band that I like to listen to, and they sing in English. And it made me think, why are they singing in English? They're German. But it doesn't make sense. You mean the Scorpions? <laughs> no. Pyrogenesis. <laughs> the Scorpions are German and they, and they sing in English. Pyrogenesis actually is the band I'm talking about. All um, oh, right. Major fan, but uh, on and off. They're hardcore heavy stuff. No, I'm not into. But yeah. when they go a little bit more mainstream, yeah, I can't like yeah. that. Um, well, there's a, Jap- there's a Japanese metal band that I love to listen to. But they have some. They've got songs that they've released in Japanese, and then they've got versions that they released in English. But they've been going years. They're called Loudness. They're such a good metal band. Have you ever saw uh, the the anime in the '80s called Odin Photo Sailor Starlight? How do you remember that? <laughs> heard it. Never, well, I used to be huge into anime. Like I've, yeah, I still yeah. an a little bit. I've it, heard it, but I've never seen it though. Yeah, it's it's from it's from like 1985, and it's got this really cool like 80s heavy metal soundtrack to it that was done completely by Loudness, with the really really awesome guitar solos and everything in it, and the high screams, all done in Japanese. Nice. And, nice. and then it, it, it's so so cool. It, it's just one of those things that it doesn't matter what. It, and they've got fans all over the place now, but they now release their albums in Japanese and English. And I like to listen to both. You know, yeah, cool. cool. That's cool. Um, yeah. getting a little off topic. That's my fault. Um, <laughs> storylines, <laughs> captivated storylines. Who's got an example of one? I do. Um, I can definitely say because this is another one of my all-time favorite games too. Um, and that's this one. It's Valkyrie Profile for PS1. Because uh, as much as I was really just starting to delve more into RPGs when with the PS1 and, and that era, it's just the story of this game, because it's basically a story about you know, gods and goddesses and war, and, and it's just, it's incredible how the pacing on it and everything plays out. This is one of the few RPGs, or really few games out there, period, that, and, and just gonna be straightforward with it. It's one of the few that actually made me cry when I was playing through because there's there's actually it's a very somber story and it's something that came out at a time when I guess I wasn't really playing games like that. So it just hit really close to home. The voice acting is incredible. There's a mechanic in it that as you're in the overworld getting from point A to point B, uh, Leneth actually listens to the crying voices of the town people. And that's when it actually tells you where you need to go next to advance the story forward. And it's just, it was something that was just completely unheard of at the time, but I, I guess it was just at the right place at the right time, but I don't I don't know if it's available digitally. I mean, yeah, because I know the PS1 game is super expensive. I know it's on the PSP, 
and it's yeah. great on the PSP too. Cool. It, this storyline-wise, it's it's incredible. Games that make you cry. Games that make you cry, man. I know, I know, I know those feels because I know I remember what it was like for the first time I ever played through Aliens Colonial Marines, and I'm playing <laughs> this, and I'm literally like, I'm yeah, but that's playing, a different. I'm playing through that. I'm playing through that. I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I'm starting to tear up. I'm starting to well up. I'm just crying my eyes out, going, I can't believe I wasted my money on this. Piece. <laughs> It's like, playing, it's like playing Rise of the Robots. You know, it's like you're crying for a different reason. <laughs> you were moved, but moved to do something else. Yeah. You moved in the wrong way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, Shenmue today, like seeing that end, roll, uh, end credits rolling and uh, that music, the soundtrack in that game is just, it gets you in the feels. Um, and especially if you've been to Japan. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have been to Yokosuka. I purposely went out of my way to visit that area. Um, and I don't know, there's just such an emotional uh, attachment to that game. And it's more sincere. And I mean, I always keep using the example or comparison of Shenmue compared to Grand Theft Auto, where there's no real, there's no soul or spirit to Grand Theft Auto, or at least one that they should be proud of. Um, it's just... Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's something more sincere about Shenmue, and I and I can't wait to see where that story goes. And it just sucks how they left you on this cliffhanger for what has it been now? 17 years or something? Close <laughs> to that. Yeah, it's just insane. Well, very they're, soon, Brian. Very soon. Shenmue three. They're stuck very in. Soon. I won't. I won't give it away in case there's people out there that still. Actually, I found out something today. Um, people who've bought Shenmue two on Xbox One. Only 20% of them have finished it. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Yeah, so it's a one in five but again, job. again, different audience. Different audience. Oh, I wonder what this Shenmue 2 thing's all about, and then they load it up. Oh, this sucks. Yeah, there's a few people out there, I think, that would be in that category. Um, yeah, it's like nothing against Xbox, but it's not... That's not really their audience. <laughs> no, it's really not. not. But, then, but then when they say that about Shenmue 2, all you have to say is, You can't be here! Go away! <laughs> Which is kind of odd you say that because Xbox tried to push Shenmue uh, with that partnership way back yep. with Sega back with in the Sega. day. Yeah, uh, Club, what was it, Club uh, Tokyo or something like that? That that first racing game that they had. Oh, uh, um, and, and Jet Sega Set, GT, right? yeah, yeah, and Jet Set Radio or Jet Grind Radio, as it was called in the states. And there's a whole stack of these uh, exclusive Sega-related titles that. I don't know. I, I wish that bond between Sega and, and Xbox was stronger than, as strong as it was back then. As I wish it was like that now. Um, yep. I remember I, I bought an original Xbox for Crazy Taxi Three. That, <laughs> once that dropped, I was like, I need an Xbox. You can't look it at a screenshot of of Crazy Taxi and not think of Offspring. Yeah, 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 nope. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, put that up, put that up on Twitter. Yeah. You know? So just put yeah, 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 and everybody yeah, will Everyone just... knows what you're on about. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's like you walk into an arcade and everything else could be going off, but then you hear, hey, 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 come on over, have some little crazy taxi. And Jeez, like, you do that well. You do that too well. <laughs> He's played it too much. Truth. <laughs> <laughs> they never had a sit down cabinet of that, it was always a stand up. Um, I thought they did. And granted, the only one that I've ever seen was a stand-up cabinet, but like, yeah. I think uh, I think that's how they I will did. have to look. I'm, if there is one, I'm gonna throw the picture up. But if there isn't one, yeah. no picture. Um, Bex, <laughs> uh, I spent so much of my youth playing like epic JRPGs that 
just always plot-driven stuff was one of the biggest things for me. So I was playing the Fantasy Star games, obviously, you know, um, all, all your Final Fantasy type stuff. Um, it just, everything I played was ethically plot-driven. Plot I think Silver, the Sil Lunar Silver Star, the first one, is probably the one that affected me emotionally the most. I think I for very, me, very with that game, that. the music was the thing that got me um, and drew yeah. me in at the start. It was the first time in that era to play uh, a role-play game with real orchestra soundtrack to it. Mm -hmm. Like, everything yeah. else back then it's was beautiful. all synthesized. And you hear it yeah. Well, you play like a lot of the music from these things because I've heard like the London Symphony Orchestra do a lot of like like video game music and do some of the music from things like Final Fantasy and all the square stuff and stuff and like yeah. the music is just amazing and Luna had that and those beautiful cutscenes and the fact they like yeah. you watch documentaries on it and they put some cutscenes in just for emotional tension or just to do something beautiful like they had a, a, the first one they had the song on the boat and um, that cutscene yes and just because it was it was beautiful and it was such an amazing world to go visit so i think just like all those jrpgs i played when i was younger things like chrono trigger as well like that kind of stuff was just where it was at for plot lines for me um and i just all of them i wanted more i don't think there's any of those rpgs that i don't just want more of and i don't wish they were still making more of and things like you know um fantasy star online can just cease to exist they don't exist i wreck on them in my brain <laughs> Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Okay, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I chime in here. I understand why uh, Fantasy Star Online is so big, and it was an important release, um, considering it was one of the first console online. What do you call it? MMO. Yeah. Anyway. I didn't care for it though. It's just wrong. I didn't care for it. Yeah. People started trading the little things you could kind of um the little the things you could do the like pokemon style them up and you could get one to turn into sonic and people were spending real money on those over here and um it was just like if it just was a game if it didn't have that logo on it i'd be fine but now when i speak to people who are younger and i mention fancy star that's the game they think of and yep. i'm just like ah! yep. it's generations no! yeah. it's generation differences you know yeah, yeah. And, and and meanwhile, I'm sitting here screaming for a fantasy star. What are we up to? Uh, five. five. I would love a five. It's not going to happen. Yeah. See, and they just released. They just announced a, a, another stupid mobile game, and I was looking at going. Yeah. Maybe this is no. It's not it. Nope. <laughs> it, nope. it, it, it it's just so bad. And I put. Answer. A, yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry, Bexy. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh uh, well, it's like the answer to that for Sega is simple. Just release Fantasy Star Nova. The one that was on the Vita, that was kind of like, it was kind of like they made a real story with, with little tiny things of Fantasy Star Online. They tried to actually make it feel a lot more grandiose than just an MMO, and it's a good game, but it, it never came out to the US. So it's like, they just translate it, put it on the PS4, put it on Steam, and then boom, you got a new Fantasy Star, you know? It's no five, but it, I think it would be good, but uh, who knows? I don't know if we're looking at it with nostalgia or eyes, though. <laughs> like, um,. It would be nice though to see him release a five, but not makes it pixelated. Someone uh, made a good point with Mega Man uh, just being released. Was it the eleven that just got released? Yes, he's going to. What do you, what do you got there? <laughs> this is this is the, okay. um, the the special edition that came with the amiibo. Ooh, nice. Okay. No, I haven't I haven't opened it yet because I've been so busy this week. I haven't right. even gotten a chance to open. It At the yet, risk but... of getting a whole stack of dislikes in the comment, I'm going to say something that really frustrates me with the Mega Man series. You've got 
a classic uh, character like Mega Man, who everyone loves and they love that style of gameplay. And then you've got another um, character, Mario. Everyone loves Mario. But look at the two different directions that those series have taken. Mario have, um, you know, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, tried to expand on the format and tried to do new things and brave new things with that, um, with that character. Mega Man is just left to right blasting it's the same thing over and over again and and that's what's really made me think okay one year they did it with pixelated graphics because you know the, the people like that stuff um they're not trying to do something new that i think the mega man series number 12 needs to be a totally new format new game but at the same time enough tips of the hat and nods to the source material i i just think that capcom are playing capture I don't like what you were saying about Mega Man, though, Brian. It's like, it makes you wonder if maybe it, Mega Man Legends is to blame for that. Because, like, when they took it and they tried to make it 3D, granted, I like Mega Man Legends, but I think that they tried to do it and it didn't go so well, and then they're just like, okay, well, then we're just going to go back to Mega Man X. We're going to go back to the X series and just focus on 2D Mega Man from now on and don't even try. But I agree. Yeah. I think for the next one, or if not make it a Mega Man 12, but then just make it like Mega Man Encore or whatever, just something like that, and try something different. And it, it might work, it may not, who knows, but at least they tried. And I only say that I because I, yeah, I only say the, the critic, I only heap the criticism on it because I do think that it's, it's a franchise that's deserving of better, is what, is what the way I look at it. And everyone's given it that, that new one, 11, they're giving it rave reviews, and I've seen eights and nines and whatever thrown at it. I just don't know if they're really looking at it properly for what it is. It's it's just a rehash. It's got some fancy light feature, light lighting effects here and there. It's the same game. There was. Yeah, but to be fair, Sonic Mania was too. It essentially was in that same style as well. That I would it kind dare, of was a rehash. I would too. dare say that Sonic Mania was done better than this this new um, Mega Man game. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll see once I once I actually play it. I mean, oh, well, there's that. <laughs> it is still play it. <laughs> this, is, this is a thing, though, when you've got AAA titles, um, to some extent, they have a license to print money. If they mess up a game, they lose their license to print money. Look at what happened with Tomb Raider. They produced a few completely awful games. Entire wow. franchise died for a very long time, and they had to yeah. sort of start over. And um, I think just with things like Mega Man, they just can't they just can't take the risk. And this is one of the reasons that I get so much into the indie games is because there's a whole bunch of people that can do whatever the hell they like. They can take all the risks. They can just do a game they think is fun. And there's none of that studio pressure. And yeah. they don't ever expect to make money so they can just do the best game they can do. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. why we get a lot of this innovation and a lot of really amazing games um, happen in the indie scene now. It's just kind of unfortunate that we're in a state to where people can't forgive a one single mistake. It's like you make when it, when it comes to the big AAA titles, like you mentioned, it's like you make one mistake and then basically you're you're banished into the Sonic pits of whatever for time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. But I was gonna say that's like unfortunately, it's like Sonic Forces condemned before the game was even released. Yeah. And guess what? I like Forces. Come at me, haters. No, I actually liked it. I actually didn't mind Sonic uh, Forces. I didn't love it. I just, I like no, it. No, me neither. Um, and I especially love the music in that game. It's just like um, the, the title theme for it. Um, fist, fist bump. Yeah, that's, fist bump. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's an awesome track. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but it's just like, you know what? You make one mistake, you get over it. I bet you if Nintendo did that, they'd let it slide. You make one misstep and it's like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know, New Super Luigi U or however people didn't really care about that, but then the series continued on. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Just, well, they're kind of protected thing. because they're the, the flagship titles of the company, whereas you look at stuff like Tomb Raider because it's yeah. like, you know, it's an outside company. They make, like, was it, um, uh, what was it, Into Darkness or whatever that game was? Uh, oh, um, the Into Darkness. Age yeah, of the yeah. Darkness. Oh. You know, that's just, that's like, they just didn't want to make a game again. That was like, I want to retire, they won't let me. I've made this game, right, cool now. <laughs> I, can yep. go and, I can go just live on a little island somewhere and never look at a screen again. And, um, it, yeah, you just, there is no forgiveness with these AAA titles. You make a bad game, you've got, you've got to, you've got to God, just go. Yeah, Even Angelina Jolie can't, baby. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, it is so cutthroat at the moment, and it is so competitive. You can't put a foot wrong, so um, there is a lot of pressure on these uh, gaming dev devs to to bring the goods home. Otherwise, because a, a game now has only got a shelf life of a week. And after, yeah, they've got after to, they've got to play it safe. They've got to play yeah. it safe, and it's the same thing that's happened with the movie industry. Everything is reboots and sequels, and uh, that's kind of what they're doing with the games. It's like a lot of these games feel, you know, they either are reboots or yeah. or they are. They're not even sequels, they're kind of rehashes and just playing it safe, which is a real shame and I hope the industry can kind of move away from that a little bit. It is, it is, it is the whole, it, I, I do love the, the, the nostalgia thing, but it's almost like, it's getting to a point now where it's like, do you remember when Sonic games were 2D? Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> it's, it's just what they go back to is, is like, do you remember when the games used to be like this? We do too, check it out. <laughs> right. It's just like you can see rehashes and reboots and rehashes and reboots, and then you'll get that one little diamond that might not be a big, big title. Um, going to go in the movies, for example, it's like Crazy Rich Asians. It's like perfect example of a that. movie that just came yeah. out of nowhere that just blew up. And but it didn't have a big budget. It didn't have a big marketing budget. But it just shows quality can prevail if you really strike it out there and you get enough people talking. I and went in. I went into that movie expecting to absolutely hate it, and I walked out of that uh, cinema thinking. That was all right, actually. I didn't mind watching that. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, will, I think we've gone way over time, so I'm just going to wrap things up. Bex, where can we find you? What are you currently working on? Um, well, I can be found on all social medias and on YouTube under Trister Bites, where I'm doing um, just, just like, a lot of at the moment, I'm doing lots of indie game interviews, indie comic stuff, going to Comic Cons, events, doing all these kind of things. And I'm also about to start up on Twitch. So there is Twister Bites is now on Twitch, um, ready to start streaming mixed reality VR, including Beat Saber and a load of indie VR titles as well. So that's going to be pretty awesome. Um, yeah, just Google Twister Bites and my weird face shows up, really. I'll put links down below on all you guys for this. And also, G to the next level. <laughs> uh, where can we find you? Well, uh, same as uh, Trista, you can find me on everywhere on social media, mainly Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at G to the Next Level. Of course, my YouTube channel, also at G to the Next Level, where I do things like reviews, live stream, console reviews. Um, I've got a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog content on there, what I'm currently working on right now. Um, after this video that's popping tomorrow, which is basically a, a thank you video to somebody in the YouTube community that deserves it, um, I'm starting up a new series called G's Treasure Chest where I take games that might either be rare or uncommon or a little bit worth a little bit more, do a short form review and explain, hey, did it make a big impact in the industry? 
and um, yeah, that's basically what's going to be happening in the future. So if you like retro gaming, hidden gems. But um, I've got that. I've got a review of the Retron 77 coming. I got my time with a recent convention that I'm actually going to be putting out a new video on. There's all kinds of great stuff coming. So yeah, check it out. I wonder and thank if, you for having me on too. No, no, no problem at all. Um, I wonder if um, uh, Metal Jesus has ever tried to copyright that or put a trademark on that hidden gems if he hasn't i'm surprised <laughs> because he's the channel you think of when when someone says hidden gems thanks guys and yeah. take care i like his outro too <laughs> it's always the same yeah. um gaming muso what are you currently working on where can we find you you can find me pretty much everywhere on the gaming muso or the gaming muso mm -hmm. um and then obviously i have this ridiculously over animated face so you'll know it's me you know what i mean <laughs> I'm, currently, uh, I'm currently recording and editing a video with octavius kitten oh, wow. and bex oh, is actually cool. bex is actually in the video as well kim justice is in the video uh, retro princess is in the video nostalgia nerd is also this is a big one video. okay is that the uh, uh, yeah. is that the one with pixels L the ltd uh, no, no. There's a different no, one. No, okay. No. Okay, yeah, yeah. gotcha. Is, is Bex one, just yeah. walking past like she always does in your videos? She just... Oh, no, 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 no. No, she, uh, no, she's, 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 I'm not going to give it away as okay. to what she's doing because the segment <laughs> of the video is kind of strange. And, and just one <laughs> real quick least, question. Yeah. Um, what, were you actually at that event or did you green screen it? No, we were at the event. Okay. <laughs> it looks green screen, doesn't it? It looks green screen. It, <laughs> it, it is odd, the lighting, yeah. It, I was just like, what the hell? It's because there's like off to the, the far kind of right on the screen as you're looking at it, there's this massive spotlight. Ah, uh, so it's throwing a different kind of artificial light on it, you. Okay. Yeah, it just key lights us wonderfully. I, I, I didn't mean to sort of set it up like that. We just literally <laughs> would film, um, film some videos with gaming music. And then literally, because I didn't want it to be the same background, I just turned the camera the other way and pointed it the other direction, and that's just what happened to be there. But we do look ridiculously green screened. I can save a lot of money by just doing that in future. That's going to be my new thing. Since I have a giant green screen, I, I might just uh, well, currently, uh, I've been working on my gaming since Spacey series. I'm finally got moving with that series, and uh, it, it's got a bit of a nice reaction to it. I'm up to 1982, the year that ET came out on Atari 2600. The year I was born. I can't. Yeah, sh shut up with the that. Um, <laughs> so you just, you just did the year I was born. I need to watch it. 81. 81. Yeah, you got, you got to watch that. I had fun making that video. Um, What's that? <laughs> I was going to say I'm the youngest here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can't wait to get stuck into ET. All these people that tried to defend ET on the Atari 2600 can go suck eggs. That game stinks. It really does stink. <laughs> nope. I don't have hatred though towards the programmer. He was only given six weeks to come up with this. What was it? They spent $49 million in 1982 to get the rights to that movie. So they would have had to, think about the numbers, they would have had to have sold more copies than there were systems for that game to turn a profit. It was mental. It was just such a uh, dumb period of time. But all that never really affected us. We're in Australia, we are going strong with the video game uh, industry at that time. So I can't wait to, yeah, that, and that's one of the things I like about 
this series that I'm doing is I get to talk about from an Australian point of view and what we were doing because you always hear about America uh, and UK. Um, no one really talks about the Aussie market, so I'm glad to give my uh, two cents worth and what we were going through at that time. So that's one thing I'm working on, uh, and also I will fin finish one day my uh, Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection because I want to get stuck into uh, attacking the Famicom, the Mini uh, Famicom Mini. I want to do a, a Sega fanboy takes on Nintendo games. I think that would be a bit of an interesting take. <laughs> so. Nice. That's what's currently being worked on here at Synth Spaces. Guys, I do appreciate the weird, wacky hours that you are here uh, to be with me on this uh, podcast. I'm going to, uh, an announcement from the next podcast onwards. It's not going to be known as a podcast. We discussed this uh, prior to this being filmed. We will, I'll be renaming it, uh, Yes, Another Bloody Gaming Show. So there will be a rename going on because I'm getting tired of people asking for this to be audio only. So it will go audio only, but that's not the, the main emphasis on these uh, videos. Um, but until then, I hope you guys subscribe if you haven't already done so and subscribe to all these other uh, great, awesome YouTubers. And uh, if you ha leave a comment down below on what your favorite uh, video that they've done, if you are subscribed to them already. Plug away. Let, let us know what videos that you liked. Uh, I will shout out, James, I liked your um, Robotron. I think every, the, the, every man is dingo liked that video. It was a pretty awesome one. George, for me, it was your um, Sonic. Not the painting Sonic Rhino. No, not that one. Yeah, that one's weird. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Even no. Slope said it himself. I was like, oh, yeah. that's weird. Yeah, I know. It's weird. you got to have a weird one in there. They can't all be golden. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with Bex, I liked your interview with the Bomber Squad, I think it was called. Bomber Crew. Bomber Crew, sorry, yeah. The one uh, where they threw, like, plushy pigeons at my head at the end, that one. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get him back one day. Um, anyway, my name has been Brian, and I've been gaming since Spacey's. Thanks, guys. Since Spaces.